Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Yeah, rock your spirit. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe I just said that. That takes me back to like VeggieTales cringe. There's nothing, I don't know, guys. I personally, I'm like, there's nothing more cringe than when, you know, <laughs> like youth culture takes a popular pop song and then converts it. We're gonna just drop some memes on like, hey, if you guys, if you guys here work in ministry, please don't take this personally, but let's stop doing this, okay? Let's stop being super, super weird. I'm a weird guy. Like, hey, I'm a weird guy. I get it. I like weird stuff, but like, this is a little too weird, okay? We need to have like a little bit of self-awareness here in the church, okay? We don't need to scare everybody off before they even walk in. So today, hey, listen, Kate... It's probably going to kill me, but you guys know I like to keep it real. So today, let me just say one thing. Could you guys do me a huge favor? There's two things I need from you. If you guys like these episodes, send them to your guy friends. Send them to dudes in your community group. Use it as like a talking point. Like keep these conversations going. Don't just have these internal dialogues in a silo and then move on with your day. Like if we want to change, we need to share these messages and we need to talk about it. Like we need to grow as men and we need to find other men to grow with. Spiritual growth character growth, it doesn't happen on an island, okay? It happens when we gather with others. There's a reason why Christ died for the church. There's a reason why Christ walked in community. We were reading, I think we we're in Romans right now, but the preparation for the apostles was walking with Jesus for his ministry. That was their preparation. They didn't have, you know, formal sitting times where they were like, we're going to sit and we're going to learn. They just did life together and they grew together. So I don't know who needs to hear that, but men, I'm in the same boat as you. I need men to grow with. I can't grow on my own. Like I'm just not built like that. And number two, this is what I mean by Kate's going to kill me. We have had a lot of talks and I'll be honest. We want to drop a men's podcast. This is like, I I love letting you guys behind the curtains, but we want to drop a men's podcast. For that to happen, we need to continue to hear feedback that this is something that you men want. And two, so far, it's been great. So would you do me a big favor, like as you're listening to this, make a mental note or just go ahead and knock it out of the way. Would you leave a five-star review (laughs) if you do feel that way? Would you leave a review and just talk about what's been your favorite episode so far? What has struck you so far? How much have you enjoyed the men's minisodes specifically? And if we garner enough feedback, guess what, baby? 2023 is going to be a special Jordan year for the men of the heart of dating community. Less 
go, okay? So I'm amped up. I hope you're amped up to hear that because we want to serve men. We want to change the Christian culture, the dating culture and marriages by investing in men as well as women. Today might be of all the Heart of Dating podcasts we've done with Kate and I or my solo ones, today's podcast might be the most influential, I don't know, catalyst and way that just transformed my life. I'm telling you, today and what you'll learn has transformed my entire life. Since the first time I heard this message, I cannot stop thinking about it. And today is the question you should ask and what we always ask as men is, why does my self-control never work? This pertains to my spiritual disciplines, my spiritual formation. This pertains to pornography and masturbation. This pertains to anger. This pertains to a gossiping tongue. This pertains to about everything. Why does my self-control never work? And what I'm here to say and what we'll talk about is there's something called joy power and we're going to go through why today it is the most unbeatable power of the gospel and why it trumps willpower. You see, a lot of us would say today, I love how I use the same framework, but it just applies. We have a self-control problem. I desperately want to stop doing things. And guess what? I can't. No matter how much you disdain, you hate what you do, that pattern, that thorn in your flesh, no matter how badly you want to avoid it, we have a self-control problem in speech, in our thought life, in our actions, our habit. We have, we all are humans, and therefore we all have a self-control problem. Today's podcast is going to be based on a sermon by Tim Keller. It's one of his recent ones, the Gospel and Life podcast. It's called Self-Control, and it's based over 1 Corinthians 9 through 10. So that is going to be the foundation of our teaching today. Just as a quick side note, apparently there was a report that came out and there's an overwhelming amount of copyright infringements and pastors using other pastor sermons and just like verbatim preaching the exact same thing. So I just want to be very clear. This is not all original content. I went through the foundation to use it. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. And I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, housekeeping items. We're a little bit behind the eight ball here, so I'm, I'm going to move fast, okay? You guys, if you're listening on 1.5x speed, which is what I do, this is going to be super fast like this, okay? Hey, February 18th and 19th, Heart of Dating Conference in Atlanta. If you are a guy listening to this and you are coming, please DM me. We got our first Mog House. It's got 14 guys in it. It's going to be 140 bucks for the whole weekend. We got a couple spots left. I want to fill out a second Mog House, okay? So DM me, JJ Talman, and I will hook you up. Okay, number two, TSA. Hey, TSA fam, we just did a Christmas mixer, and I'm not going to lie. It was so much fun. It was just fun. 
and we created so much joy. We had a 20-minute segment in the middle of it where we all shared that nagging, lingering thought. We did some inner healing work where we released the lie, and then we replaced it with truth. It was just such a sweet moment for Kate and I, and I think we had 125 singles on that call, and we are all coming just saying, hey, I love my life. And there's just these thoughts, you know, kind of nagging me. And I just want to experience some joy and fellowship with some other singles who get it. Okay. So you guys are more invited. We're going to be doing more TSA promos that you guys can just come mix and hang out. And then lastly, what I am loving. So spiritually speaking, I have been loving the Psalms. The Bible is filled with worship. It's filled with theology. We actually talked about this last week in TSA. It's filled with gospel doctrine and creation stories. But the Psalms, I want to challenge you guys. The Psalms are the inner sanctuary of fellowshipping with God. They are the avenue. They are the highway. They are the perfect venue to just fellowshipping with God. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but yesterday's manna, Yesterday's experience with God, yesterday's fellowship is not good enough to sustain you today. I love looking back at those sweet interactions and times of fellowship, you know, where I just cry reading that Bible. It just spoke to me, but that's not good enough. That's not your daily bread for today. That was your bread for yesterday. And I love the picture of the manna, right? They had enough manna for that day only. So whoever needs to hear this, today's fellowship is not replaceable with yesterday's fellowship. Okay, we got to get that daily bread. Lifestyle-wise, Kate and I are on a road trip, baby. We are currently in Moab, driving to Breckenridge in the Prius. If you guys don't hear from me, just know that the Prius <laughs> did not make it. Okay, we're going to do our best. I got the snow chains, but I'm a little nervous, so we'll see. But lifestyle-wise, here we go. You guys are going to actually hold me accountable here. Here's what has happened twice now. Are you ready? For the wedding, I trained so hard. I literally, like, I trained for about six or seven months, probably five days a week. My diet, and that's really where I got the most gains and results is when I actually was, like, pretty ruthless about my diet. But I got really, really strong, really cut for the wedding. I loved it. And then guess what? I went on a honeymoon where I just stuffed myself with crepes and just had a, a Nutella. And I lost literally almost all my gains, almost all of them. And then post-wedding, I started going back to the gym, started going back to the gym. I finally got back into my habit. And guess what? Thanksgiving comes two and a half weeks. And guess what? I lost all my gains. It's so funny. It's just like life. You can work, 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 train, 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 but it's so much easier to lose those gains. It's so much easier to lose in life if you're not intentional versus just being consistent. Isn't that crazy? You work, 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 and just one slip up. It's almost like spiritual character. You can have 20 years of spiritual character. It takes a lot to, to build spiritual character, and it takes one mistake to bring it crashing down. So what's the point? I want to challenge you guys, especially physically and spiritually. What's the point of working so hard and being consistent if we're just going to lose it? So I'm not going to forfeit my gains uh, I'm not going to play this game again. I'm going to enjoy my Christmas. I'm going to have that food. I'm going to pig out when I can, but I'm going to be running and I'm going to be doing body lifts. And for all of you here who are your big New Year's resolution people, I've said this before. Now is the time to go ahead and build a habit 
of training and building that lifestyle. Don't wait for January 1st. Go ahead and get a head start on it. And then last one, media-wise, who here has watched The Chosen? Because I'm about to binge. We are on episode five, and I have cried every single episode. It's been so special. It's been so special for me to have such an amazing visual of Jesus loving well. It's been so special. I literally, every single episode, I'm just like, so that's how it went down. Or that's a glimpse of how it went down, of how he loved Mary, of how he loved a little. My favorite episode is Jesus loves the little children because that's how he sees us. And I just want you guys to go in there. It literally like breaks me down every single time. Okay, last time, guys, we are running behind. I'm not going to lie. If you're listening today, you can already see how long this episode is, but <laughs> it's, it's a doozy, okay? This is not a mini-sode today. Don't tell Kate, please, but I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope, you know, it's maybe just passing time for you in your commute or you're at work, but here we go. This one's actually fun today. This is the In My DM segment. So I get a lot of questions from you guys. I love it. This one, I thought it would be fun. We actually have a lot of female listeners here, okay? They're doing recon. I see you, ladies. I hear you. I see you. But this one's from a female listener, and I actually thought it'd be a great example for us men. So she basically DMs me and says, her and her man were about to move forward in pre-engagement counseling. Very smart. If you guys don't know, we're a big advocates for pre-engagement counseling versus just premarital because there's just so much pressure after the ring and after the engagement that the red flags and all these things that need to be sorted out, this needs to be identified before, right, you get down on one knee. But anyway, pre-engagement counseling and then all of a sudden blindside breakup. Essentially, he says, I'm physically attracted to you. You have the character, you have the qualities, you have all the values I'm looking for. However, I think the romantic aspect is missing. I think that a romantic aspect is missing. And once you strip away the physical, I'm worried about us getting married and having no romantic aspect. She gave me some more context saying he can be emotional or he can make a lot of decisions off feelings. But I am super, super confused by this, especially because romantic is such a vague word. And this was like the first time it came up. She also told me that Uh, Once they installed physical boundaries after messing up and inviting spiritual authority in, their dynamic changed. So my answer to her was super long, but I basically said this, and then you confirm this for me. When men create a narrative like this, when we men have something to say, for me, it just sounded like romantic aspect was a huge, huge, huge cover up for like real reasons. What I told her, because I've done the same, is we can definitely spin a couple like narratives, have a couple confusing sentences and kind of just slap it all together and hope it is just like a good enough excuse that we don't have to give the straightforward answer. I read her message and I read the excuses he gave. I was confused too. I'm like, how do I decipher this? This doesn't make sense. What I told her is like, hey, listen, I'm really sorry because this is extremely unfair. And there's a very good chance you're going to have to move on without that clarity from him about what it actually was. I know there's a lot of pain. I know there's a lot of heartbreak. I encourage you one day that you can maybe forgive him. Two, you can see that he is on his journey. And three, out of grace 
and love and forgiveness, I hope one day you can give them the feedback because as men listening to this today, listen, I've been there. It is super, super daunting. It can be really scary. But when you're in these places, especially when you're breaking things off, I can't say this enough. Clarity is kindness. And as a man, you have to learn to have hard conversations and get that message across, okay? And I promise you, even though you can't control their response, that is the right thing to do. I know it's hard, but the right thing is hard to do. So I don't know what man needs to hear that today. I wish I could have heard that message pounded into me that, hey, listen, especially when you're closing things down, be clear. We actually have an episode on that, how to close it down well, okay? Totally forgot about that. Oh my goodness, guys. Okay, so this episode today is about joy power over willpower. And I'm going to keep it 100. This is the most life-changing lesson I've learned this year. Paul is in 1 Corinthians 9 and 10. And he essentially addresses self-control and gives an analogy to be as disciplined as Olympic athletes in every area in your life. This is really fun. This is get this is where this message gets really relatable. Did you know that 3000 years ago in ancient Greece there was this belief, there's this commonly held belief that the secret to discipline, the secret to self-control was willpower. It was willpower. And we're sitting here as humans and let's give an example that Keller gives this Basically, it's nine o'clock at night, you've had a long day, and you're winding down, you've committed to being on a diet, and you're on a strict diet, you know, you have guidelines and places and people in place, and for me, it's Ben and Jerry's, it's 9 p.m., I have a major sweet tooth, and I'm looking at that Ben and Jerry's, (laughs) and it's decision time, okay? (laughs) Uh, Listen, in my heart, you know what I want? I want to go ham on that tub. For me, I love the milk and cookies, Ben and Jerry's. And so my heart is like, I want to eat that whole thing. (laughs) Okay. And then my thought and my mind is like, hmm, but remember you have that, uh, you know, remember you have that, uh, you know, diet, you know, do you remember all that? And so essentially in ancient Greece and what we still say today is the way to win in that situation is I clamp down on my willpower my self-discipline. I will willpower and mentally win that war with the Ben and Jerry's. And that's actually called stoicism. It's called stoicism, which basically says, hey, the mind and the will is over the feelings. The mind and the will is over the feelings. My heart wants ice cream. My mind doesn't. Who's going to win? My heart or my mind? And I will will myself into not eating it. My mind and will is better than my emotions. But here's the confusing thing. God created us in his image. And God actually loves. God gets angry. God gets sad. God gets joyful. God has hope. God experiences emotions. And he created these emotions in us. So we know they aren't less than. And we know they're not greater than. And we know they're not bad. And if he created us in his image with the mind and logic and self-control, meaning willpower and heart power, we know that the emotions is not second to our mind, right? Like logic doesn't trump emotions. We know, in fact, that they're both good because they're created in us. But guess what? 
They're both tainted. And then this is where we come to the Bible. Okay, so my willpower is not greater than my emotions. My emotions aren't greater than my willpower. And they're both good because they're created in me, but they're both misleading. Okay, so what do we do? Where do we come? And that's exactly where we go straight to the Bible. Because Paul talks about the athletes of the times, the Olympic athletes. Listen, don't the Olympic athletes want the Ben and Jerry's? Yes, of course they do. Don't the athletes, these young athletes in their 20s who are fit, don't they want a party? Don't they want to not work out, not train, skip training the next morning, stay out late with their friends? Of course they do. Of, of course, we're all humans. We want this in our heart. But they want to, listen, you, you ready? Here it is. But they want to pursue excellence in their sport more. They want the medal of competition more. They want it more than they want the Ben and Jerry's. They want it more than they want to party, than to stay out late. This is an amazing conclusion for us men. Why? Because self-control is not a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It is setting our heart on a higher object, on something greater than the ice cream, something greater than the fun and the thrill of going out, the temptation of our heart. And then Keller goes into this amazing example where he talks about Jacob. You guys remember Jacob? Jacob didn't just work for seven years for a terrible boss, Laban, and manual labor, doing an awful job every morning, getting up and going to bed, getting up and going to bed. But yet the scripture says Jacob worked for seven more years on top of the other seven, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. That's Genesis 29. But they seemed but a few days for the love he had to her. Isn't that amazing? Think, Guys, think about seven years of just toiling and <laughs> terrible work. And it was but a few days because of what? Because of what? What's the secret? Because of the love he had for her. She was the greatest object, the passion of his heart. That's where his eyes were fixed. He set his eyes not on the daily work, not on the getting fit, not on building a great career. The passion of his life was Rachel. And because of Rachel and the love he had for her, guess what came as a byproduct? He experienced self-control everywhere. See, the Bible teaches us one thing consistently from opening to the end. Self-control is not a matter of the will. It is an issue of the heart. Setting your heart and desires on the greatest thing. That is the key and the secret to self-control. The ice cream, coming back to the Ben and Jerry's. Self-control is not a mind over desire. It is a desire of the heart. I want a healthier body. I want to be fit. And I also want this ice cream. Guess what? Let the best man win. You put them in an arena together, which desire is higher? Which desire is greater? I want a healthier body, I want to be fit, and I want these Ben and Jerry's. Let the best man win. The higher desire will always win. You see, self-control is a heart matter, not a will matter. Now look around, your life, your friends, your family, Similar to the single man's kryptonite, which I know, I think a lot of you guys have loved. Again, I need some feedback here. 
we don't have a complacency problem. We have a misapplication of zeal problem. And here we find ourselves in the same framework. We, we don't have a self-control problem. We have a heart problem. We all have self-control in certain areas of our life. Well, how do we know that? Well, you guys are listening today. I'm assuming that you guys are waking up. You guys have some sort of a career. You're waking up from an alarm clock. You guys are getting up. You guys are doing things that you don't want to do. And you're delivering on work expectations because to some degree and some semblance, you guys have self you guys have more self-control in your life than we probably realize the problem with this and what we're seeing is the object of our heart when it's anything other than god we will have self-control in some areas of our life and we have no control over some areas at all you guys ready for a great example for my golfers have you guys ever taken a second to think about tiger woods every time i see him on tv Every time I hear an update about him in his personal life, I think about Tiger Woods, and I'm a big Tiger fan. What is his heart set on? Because for me, it seems like this. He is the greatest competitor of golf. For all the people here who don't care about sports, maybe you've heard of this guy, Tiger Woods. He basically is the best golfer or trying to be of all time. He has endless discipline amazing discipline since five years old, right? Thousands, thousands, thousands of golf balls, thousands of swings. He is relentless, relentless in his discipline about golf. And then we know what happens next. He has an amazing career and all the time, the whole time, there's addictions to sex. He's in sex therapy. He's in sex accountability groups. There's like a a quote-unquote sex edition that was coming out. There was substance abuse. And this literally, of course, causes his family to fall apart. He's in car accidents, right, where he's shattering his leg because he's driving under such heavy intoxication. He doesn't even know what planet he's on. How, guys, bear with me. How could one of the most disciplined men to walk the planet in some areas of his life be so disciplined and how can he not have the self-control in areas of his life like sex and cheating on his wife and substance? It is mind-blowing that he is so disciplined in some areas and in others, he has no control. He has no control because he had self-control in the most important object of his life, the passion of his heart, and he lost control in all other areas. You see, we're all a slave to something and we will have self-control as humans, but it's a finite amount. It will run out. There's corners of our life. There's buckets of our life that we will have no self-control over. So if we're building our foundation today, and there's one thing for y'all to learn right now, right away, it's that this, what is the passion of our heart? Where according to 1 Corinthians 9 through 10, Paul says it's this, you ready? This blew my mind. It is the fellowship of the joint gospel. (laughs) It's not a strange phrase. It is the fellowship of the joint gospel. And what he means by that, because this could have easily said, it's the fellowship of the gospel in my quiet time in the Lord. But no, he says, it is the passion of my heart to have others see the gospel. And it is the passion of my life, the object of my heart for every area of my life to be affected by the gospel 
so that it points to what? So that anybody can look at any part of my life and it points to one thing, the gospel. It is not the passion of my life to enjoy the gospel alone. Paul easily could have said this. The passion of his life is so that others can take part and witness the same joy of the gospel. The order of everything in his life was so that others could see his life and then see God. No one saw anything in him. His goal was this. No one can see any part of my life that does not point to anything other than Christ. Doesn't that just absolutely blow your mind? The way I think about it is attacking every corner of our life. The reason why we pursue purity, the reason why we pursue maintaining a holy temple, the reason why we pursue speech that glorifies God is so that everyone can take a, a magnifying glass to every corner and it points to Christ. That's how we are the same person who speaks in one conversation and when nobody's looking, it's the very same person, okay? The way I imagine this episode is this. When the passion of our heart is anything other than Christ and the gospel, that waterfall of self-control and willpower is finite. It'll spill over into one bucket. It'll spill over into another bucket. It might get to the third, and then as you get to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, it's dry. We're out. There's no more self-control. We have self-control in some areas of our life, and we've lost it in others. When the passion of our heart is the gospel, the gospel power, the waterfall of joy power overflows into every bucket of our life. Why is this different? Because the joy power doesn't stop. The joy power is not finite. The joy power never stops flowing, and it is endless. It hits every bucket of our life to transform. How do we transform? Well, this is what the Bible teaches us. One, I would say this. This is back to the, as you guys love, the practical, evangelical, four-step, three-step program to joy power, okay? Number one, I would say this. Meditate, number one, meditate on the word of God. Until the things we know in our head become known in our heart, we have to meditate, meditate on God's word day and night. Let it enrich your soul. We should hear scripture and we should be meditating on it so that we actually change. The living word of God should be living in our hearts. It should be living and transforming and molding us. We should not read scripture and then go on with our life. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Number two, let go of the control. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses this life will preserve it. I think by trying to force our self-control we lose control of other areas. When we try to manufacture our own fruit of self-control, it works in some areas, but we lose it in others. The only way forward is to let go of the control and have a greater desire in our life. And by the way, as a side note, when we try to control things, how does that go for us? Is there life there? Is there joy there? No. Number three, this is the most important one. You ready? If you want to resist temptations, fix your eyes. Fix your eyes. If you want to win the war of self-control, of willpower, with joy power, you have to experience the true fruit of self-control, not human control. And the way we do this is this, Hebrews 12. And the Bible impacts this in a lot of ways. But the secret to self-control is outlined in one verse. Are you ready? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross 
for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. If you want to endure, if you want to have true self-control, look to Jesus. Christ knew he was going to die before the Passover. He knew which disciple was going to betray him. And yet he still loved them. And yet he still knew. Imagine, imagine knowing what Christ knew he had to do. And imagine this, if we want to look at the willpower, imagine the incredible self-control and willpower he had in that journey to keep his mouth shut, to be tortured and beaten. And yet the only thing he did was forgive, kept silent, and like a lamb being led to the slaughter, he obeyed. Imagine that incredible self-control and willpower. No. Do you know what he relied on in Hebrews 12? He relied on joy power. The secret to self-control is not willpower, it's joy power. And here is the why. Here's how we get there. What was the passion of Jesus's heart? Keller, this is probably, this made me cry when I heard this in the sermon. But he says, what was it? What did Jesus not have before the cross? He had the spirit. He had fellowship with the Father. He had power over the universe. I mean, he was in heaven with God. What did he, what did he not have? Why did he come? What did he want? Well, he wanted you. And he wanted me. The thing he wanted most was you and me. We were the object of his heart. We were the passion of his heart. When we see Jesus enduring it was because you and I were his delight. And Keller, this is where I was just mind-blowing. Jesus models out exactly how we live our life, the self-control that we want. You are the passion of his heart, and he is the passion of my heart. And when we do the same, when we make him the passion of our heart, that is what unlocks the joy power. And lastly, this is what the Bible says about joy. A couple of verses to go on your way. The Joy of the Lord is your strength. This kind of joy isn't static. This joy is different. It energizes us. It changes us. The joy of God gives you healing power. Isaiah 35, 10. It heals us. It doesn't just energize us and change us. It actually heals us. And Psalm 37, 4, my favorite one. Delight in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. It's not my favorite verse because of what we would originally think. It's my favorite because it says delight in the Lord. Take so much joy in the Lord that he molds you, that he changes your desires, that he bends your will to conform to his will. That is the secret of joy power. That is the secret to change and transform. It's joy power. Joy power over willpower. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful day. I got to run. And hey, don't be bashful. Leave that five-star review. I don't need it for the self-confidence boost, but I need it so I can keep doing this for you men. I love you. Have a wonderful day and happy Wildlife Friday. Let's go.